You're listening to The RN Mentor, a podcast designed to document and bring you the work and experience of some of the most influential nurses in our profession. We will be sitting down and having a discussion with the leaders of today's nursing world as they share their work, how they navigate their nursing path, and their views on the future of the profession. My name is Ali Tayeb. I am a registered nurse, United States Navy veteran, a Jonas Veterans Healthcare Scholar, and your host for The RN Mentor. Welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor podcast. I'm super excited to be joined by a colleague, Dr. Marianne Leary. Uh, Dr. Leary is the Director of Innovation at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. As a Director of Innovation at Penn Nursing, she works to amplify and educate nurses as leaders in health and healthcare innovation. Dr. Leary is a member of the American Nurses Association's Innovation Advisory Committee, a member of the University Science Center's Advisory Committee, the Nurse Beat Advisory Board member, and a founding member of the Society of Nurse Scientists, Innovators, Entrepreneurs, and Leaders. She is the host, or one of the hosts, uh, of the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing podcast, Amplify Nursing, and is a contributor to the American Nurses Association's official journal, the American Nurses as part of the My Nurse Influencers column and the Philadelphia Inquirer. In March 2023, Dr. Lee was named one of five female nurses who will go down in her story by the nursing beat. In May 2022 and 2023, she was selected as one of the most powerful LGBTQIA people in Pennsylvania, by city and state PA, and in 2023 was named an LGBTQ plus power player by Metro Philly. In August 2019, she was named as an influencer of healthcare winner in the category of excellence in innovation by the Philadelphia Inquirer. In 2017, she was named Geek of the Year for her outstanding achievements in Philadelphia's vibrant geek community in the areas of innovation, technology, and activism. As a fellow geek, I appreciate that award. So welcome to the show, Dr. Leary. Thank you. You really didn't have to go through all of that but I will say being geek of the year no award ever in my life will match up to that honor Uh, and unfortunately the geek awards don't exist anymore so I am forever the reigning geek of the year in Philadelphia which I love (laughs) that works that's the way to do it get the award and have it over with like nobody else gets it That's fantastic. Uh, I want to talk, you and I have known each other for a number of years, started out through social media, connecting through social media, and we've we've happened to uh, have some of the same circle of colleagues uh, and uh, worked with each other that way. Um, So again, welcome to the show. uh, And I'll start with my, uh, my regular question. How did you get started in the world of nursing? 
You know, it's a great question. I never wanted to be a nurse when I was young. Like my mom would always say, why don't you be a nurse? And I was like, no way. Like the only thing I knew about nursing was what I saw on TV. And it was never really a flattering picture of what nurses actually do. And so it never occurred to me um, to even consider nursing. But then I was living in Boston and I was working at a residential program for people who had HIV AIDS, uh, were in recovery from drugs and alcohol and had mental illness. So it was like a triple um, diagnosis residential program. And one of my clients had this nurse who just blew my mind. She was so smart so compassionate and empathetic. Uh, she was completely no nonsense, um, but she went above and beyond for this patient in sort of every aspect of his life. And she really opened my eyes to what nursing actually was, like, and what you could actually do as a nurse. And because of her, I started thinking, well, that could be a profession for me. And so um, I started looking into it and I was really interested in asking and answering questions. And um, so as I was researching uh, nursing, I saw a program in Philadelphia through Thomas Jefferson University and they had a um, nurse researcher program. And that, I, again, I had no idea that was even a thing. And so the second I saw nursing. And the second I saw research, I was like, that's what I want to do. So I applied to Thomas Jefferson University, got in, was in their like honors research program, and sort of the rest was history. That's fantastic. Um, it, it really qu quick question. Uh, now, was this your entry into nursing or was this uh, was this like you already had an, a different degree and you came into the program? No, and actually, my the, my journey to nursing wasn't that straightforward as what I just actually even <laughs> like described. Um, even though I had eventually figured out that it was probably nursing that I wanted to do, it took me years to apply to a program and start. And so, nursing ended up being my first bachelor's degree when I was in my late twenties. I graduated from nursing school the same year my daughter was born. So like, um, I, and before that I had started and stopped different degree programs, nothing felt right. Um, and so I was just working and, um, you know, raising a family or trying or starting to raise a family. And, um, yeah, so nursing was my first undergrad degree. And then, um, from there, the rest was history. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, and, and you're, you know, I, and the more people I ask this question, the less, like at first I was, uh, I, the first few guests I had on the show who said, oh yeah, I never thought about nursing till X, Y, and Z happened. Um, and it's interesting, like I'm, I'm less surprised now because I just assume this has become like a, like something that people just kind of find later in life as opposed to what the traditional uh, what you what people like envision traditional like as from a nursing perspective they 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 think 
oh, you must have always wanted to be a nurse and now and you became a nurse. And that is not the case for so many people. And uh, and I appreciate that because I didn't come into nursing. I had a healthcare background, but same thing. I didn't come into nursing thinking like it wasn't my first choice. But after I looked into it, I was like, oh, this is something I could really get into. And I've just, it's been great. Yeah, I don't think I would be as, um, for lack of a better word, successful in the work I do now as a nurse had I started it, you know, right after high school. I, I did a number of different jobs after high school. I was an event producer, uh, logistics coordinator, uh, case manager, um, food prep. Like I did all of these other jobs after high school, uh, before I went to college that I use all those skills now in the work that I do. Like I say it all the time, I'm a glorified event producer. <laughs> like all I do is run <laughs> programs. All of my logistical skills that I learned, you know, producing events for the city of Philadelphia and for different nonprofits, I use all of those same skills, both at the bedside when I was practicing, which was only for a very short period of time, but more so in the research work that I did and in the work that I do now as director of innovation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, and I can, I can relate, I can relate to that, to so much of that. And the same thing I share with a lot of my students who are in accelerated programs or in Meccan programs, master's entry programs. Um, I, I bring that up. I'm like, please bring your other skill sets with you because you are that much more valuable for having those skill sets in the profession of nursing. Cause I think nursing needs that. And we'll get into the conversation of innovation in a little bit, but that's where all a lot, of, a lot of that those components come into into uh, innovation in the world of nursing. I think is because people have a lived experience uh, other than nursing, uh, and I, I think that makes it so valuable. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I love talking with my accelerated students and understanding what their different backgrounds are and the different um, experiences they've already had. I mean, like you said, we'll talk about innovation, but that's what makes an enriched innovation team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I agree with you. Um, I actually had a student, he just triggered something in my brain. Uh, I had a student uh, who wanted to do like, uh, uh, like has had, had been done done work around productions and, uh, and like uh, movies, commercials, that kind of stuff, and really loved it, but like came into nursing as a steady income. And uh, one of the things I, I told her, I was like, don't that bring that stuff with you because there's so many things we can do with that in the world of nursing and nursing education and information sharing because we are so, from a, from a traditional perspective, we've kind of set these, for whatever reason, we've set these guidelines as to what how nursing should disseminate information or what nursing does. Uh, and then you get all these people who come into the profession with other skill sets and we try to have them get rid of that for some reason to fit into the square peg into a square hole yep. type of thing. But they're not square. They have all kinds of different angles and shapes. And uh, so I think the profession just needs to be a lot more open uh, to the different skill sets that these students or these professionals bring to the table. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I um, overheard a conversation that some to re be re to be um, left nameless um, <laughs> admissions nursing admissions folks were having um, about 
a student who was, I think they, it was like, they were an engineer and they were applying to the nursing program. And, you know, I overheard them saying, why would we ever want to accept an engineer into the nursing program? What could they possibly ever know about nursing and healthcare that would be something like beneficial to the profession? And I was blown away by how they could not see the how important it is to have these different lenses and other experiences, especially in the world we're living in now, where we need new technologies and new innovations um, to help with all of the problems we're seeing, both you know from the pandemic and climate change and all these different things. Yeah, it was it was so interesting to overhear this conversation and just. Yeah, I was I was in shock. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to, uh, and this is completely off topic. Now we've just kind of went sideways on this conversation, uh, but it's but but I, I want to I want to continue this discussion because I think it's important because the same thing I had a I had a colleague of mine, um, I worked at a at a hospital for uh, as a well that's not what I worked at but I worked at a hospital. Uh, and what they had said is, is you know, they were a little bit objective uh, or objected uh, to to men in nursing uh, because they can't be as compassionate or they can't be as uh, 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 they can't have the same level of empathy. Uh, this these the gender biases that that exist within the profession. I think it it leads to the same thing of somebody being an engineer or somebody being in a profession where it's more mathematical or more whatever. Uh, and I think that's one of the problems we run into where this traditional mindset has been set for the nursing profession. And all of a sudden, uh, those biases kind of kick in, kick in, those mindsets kind of kick in. And we don't have the diversity of thought we need to have in the profession of nursing. No, it's true. I mean, it's such an old school profession I mean, we know the stats, right? Majority white, majority female, much older demographic. Um, but I really, I am confident and and really energized by what I think is hopefully a change um, yeah. coming in the profession. Um, you know, all, all the students I teach and the things that they're doing and their ways of thinking uh, totally stoked by it. And yeah. um, I think it's going to be nothing but good for the profession. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I just need some of those uh, gatekeepers in the profession to kind of step aside and say, or, you know, open their minds into where the profession can go and should go. Because um, that gatekeeping that happens, just like you mentioned, of who can be a nurse and who can't be a nurse, that's that doesn't work for me at all. And I, I run into it on a regular basis. Well, and I think we're seeing that it doesn't work for the profession either. I mean, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna be in trouble soon if we don't get more nurses into yeah. the pipeline and yeah. more nurses of different backgrounds. Yeah, we, we can't go the way we've been going. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get back on track. All right, okay. so I so I noticed that you have a master's in public health, uh, and actually a number of colleagues I have. Uh, or I've had even on the podcast, I've had their master's in public health. What uh, made you choose that route as opposed to some of the traditional, I'm air coding, some of the traditional <laughs> nursing paths in, 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 the, uh, in the profession? 
So this is another funny story. So I actually have a dual master's in nursing and public health. I didn't really want a master's in nursing. I figured I had a bachelor's in nursing. Why did I need a master's in nursing? Turns out that was, um, it's, I'm really glad I got a master's in nursing. Um, but I really wanted a master's in public health because my background prior to nursing school was all community-based organization and focused on public health. And um, I worked and volunteered in a number of community-based organizations, um, thought I really wanted to do keep doing aid service work. Um, and so public health was really just a natural fit for me. Um, so that's why, I mean, that's why I did the dual master's program and why I got the master's in public health. Turns out I really needed the master's in nursing, um, especially because of everything I do now with teaching. And now I have a PhD in nursing. So, which I'll also say I didn't really want a PhD in nursing either, but, um, <laughs> you know, it helped me get to where I needed to go. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've actually played with this with the with, and I've said this on the podcast before. I said I played with the idea of a master's in public health, going back and actually getting it because so much of my work is community based, uh, and I think it's very relevant. Uh, I just haven't uh, brought myself to the point of actually going for it. So, so I appreciate I appreciate the fact that, but I think there there are components of masters in public health which i wish were incorporated into nursing degrees because i think it's it's very relevant into the work that we do uh, on a masters or even a, at a doctoral level yeah i totally agree i mean nurses were like the first public health practitioners right so like, there's a lot of overlap um, yeah. in the education i loved my um, mph program and the work that we did and you know i keep saying i didn't want a master's in nursing. I didn't want a PhD in nursing. It has nothing to do with nursing. The education I got from both of them was great, but I, I like to expand my knowledge content. Yeah. Uh, and so I figured I already had a bachelor's in nursing. I didn't need a master's in nursing. Then I figured I already had a master's in nursing. I didn't need a PhD in nursing. Like I wanted to try and, you know, just expand again, the, the knowledge and skills that I was learning in these, you know, higher ed degree programs, yeah. but Penn nursing allowed me to go part-time um, so that I could still keep working and get a PhD. So um, it worked out great. And I was able to focus on innovation and design um, with a nursing lens, which is exactly what I do now. So it's all worked out perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And by the way, congratulations again on your completion of your PhD program. Uh, Thank you. So, so I know I know you've been working hard on that. Um, yeah, same thing with me though. Uh, I never thought of myself as getting uh, a master's or a PhD, but I ended up getting both. So um, it's it's but but it does it does remove some barriers. You know, some people say yep. uh, having a master's or a PhD doesn't necessarily do anything for me, and I, I disagree with that piece. But it really what it really does do those higher degrees they they provide a seat at the table for you without you having to fight for it as hard. You still have to fight for it, but you, it gives you credibility, right? It gives you, uh, it gives you some credibility, whether it's for the right reasons or not, but uh, it's right. the like it it's, or not, it's the world we like live it in. Or not. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to be in a certain type of environment, 
you need it. And yeah. for me, you know, I decided to go back for a PhD because at the time I was heavily involved in resuscitation science research and I was writing my own grants and putting my own research teams together. But without a PhD, there's only so many grants I could apply for and only so many things I could do at my institution and it just wasn't working. And yeah. so I had to get a PhD. Yeah. Which, yes, yeah, is great. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, and five, I, five years later, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> but I say this, I say this to like anybody who 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 who's who asked me or is, wants to know. I said the primary reason I got my PhD was I never wanted to be in a position where my degree kept me from the opportunity that I knew I was qualified for, or I knew I had expertise in. Uh, I never wanted my degree to be the barrier to that. Uh, even though now with some institutions, if you don't have a postdoc, uh, it becomes problematic. But that's a whole di- that's a whole other discussion uh, of its own. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave know, that one alone. The older I get, the more I'm like, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, yeah. I'm going to do what I need to do to be as successful as I need to be, but also caring more about my work-life balance and enjoying the things that don't have to do with any of my degrees. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. Um, so I do want to talk, I do, I do want to, uh, transition into, you do a lot of work around innovation and I don't, I do want to talk about your current role and also, uh, you know, the organizations that you participated and the co-founding of, uh, of one of those organizations. I'll, I'll start with a, with a with a maybe a first question of what is nursing innovation in your opinion i mean that's a loaded question but in your opinion what is nursing innovation because there's a lot oh. of definitions of it out there or, right. or interpretations all... of it out there exactly and well and nursing innovations only uh you know a loaded question what is nursing innovation is only a loaded question because innovation means so many different things that so many different people want such a buzzword it almost means nothing anymore um but i'll say for me you know pen nursing we define innovation as like we have a definition right but it really innovation is a mindset it's a way to think about and then solve for problems and so it's not just technologies or widgets, but really the way that we solve problems, the systems and processes we create, the way that we communicate with our students and educate our families and patients, like all these things can be innovation. Um, But it starts with a mindset of wanting to and understanding how to do things differently being open to doing things differently, taking risks, being creative, uh, working with the people for whom the problem affects, like all these things are incorporated, at least into the innovation work that I do. Now, this, right, this is my definition of innovation, but it can be completely different to some than somebody else's. And that's really what I'm pushing when I push the work that we do at Penn Nursing um, forward. Yeah, uh, and I, I agree. I agree with uh, with uh, your perception of this because so many people. Uh, I I was at a conference last year and they had an innovation uh, panel, and I think 
out of the three innovationists, innovationists, is that a word? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that they had on the panel, all three. Uh, and this was a, this was these, this was an expert panel on innovation. And all three spoke about EHRs, simulation, <laughs> and the technology that is used in hospitals, right? And and I, if a colleague of mine who is also in the in the innovation uh, role, like he was across the the entire uh, conference space, and I looked over, and he's looking over at me, and I'm like, "What is going on?" Uh, so I appreciate your definition because it is really a, a way of thinking, a way of improving processes. It's it's sort of the out of the box thinking or coloring out of the lines more than here's a new technology piece. Not that technology is not part of innovation. It is not only innovation. And it's not always innovation. But yeah. I'll tell you, one of my um, student colleagues, um, so John, he worked with me for a few years as a undergrad, and now he's in the PhD program. You know, he had a really great insight that the work that he was doing around innovation and what he was learning, he could take into any situation, any area he was working as a nurse. So he didn't want to just learn innovation to be a nurse innovator, like, like the role that I had, like my whole focus is innovation, but he could take the innovation knowledge that he's learning and go apply it to heart failure or to emergency medicine or to oncology or to any other area where he wanted to practice as a clinician. And I think that's really important and it was such a great insight for him um, because he wanted to be innovative, but he wanted to be innovative in his clinical practice. And that's really, I think, part of what I would love for us to be teaching. And I, I think that's what we're teaching. I think that's what I try to teach is that, again, this is a mindset. This is um, a process. It's a set of resources, skills, and tools that you can take and use no matter where you practice, whether that's in the clinical setting, whether that's in the community, whether that's in you know Congress or the military or wherever you are as a nurse, you can be innovative. Um, do you think, as you're talking about this, do you think, I, I know nursing has come along, but do you think nursing is, or where does nursing need to be in order to embrace the concepts that you're sharing with innovative thinking, because so much we're so regulated and we are so policy driven. Um, how do you think nurses like on the boots on the ground level can, can uh, you know, uh, nurture the innovation component of, of what we know they can do versus the environments we put them in? Um, what do so, you think about that? It's a great question. I have so many answers to this um, <laughs> and so many thoughts. I'll give you my thoughts first. And then I will say part of my dissertation was looking at the correlates of innovative behavior. And so what I found was that there were individual correlates of innovative behavior, but also organizational ones. And so um, if we want nurses who are working clinically at the bedside to be innovative, we need them to have organizational support to do that. 
Um, so, which goes back to my other comment of, we wanna support individual nurses to be innovative, but we need senior nurse leaders to also support innovation um, for not only their nurses, but their health systems. So I helped to run a new program called the Johnson Johnson Nurse Innovation Fellowship Program. It is a one-year fellowship program for senior nurse leaders who want to learn about and then implement innovative thinking throughout their institutions. It's powered by Penn Nursing and Wharton, um, supported by Johnson & Johnson. And we have 20 nurse leaders, two from 10 different institutions around the country who are our first cohort working through this fellowship. The whole idea here is that we've been trying for years to infuse innovation on the ground level to like the clinic, clinical nurses at the bedside. And we know for a fact that as soon as nurses start engaging in these different innovative um, activities and methodologies, they are they are so excited and really feel energized about the work that they're doing in nursing using these different innovative methodologies. But we hear time and time again that they bring these things back to their health systems and they're not being supported. They don't get time away from the bedside to do these things. They, they, there's no like support or resources to do right. these things, right? So um, we figured we needed a, a top-down approach. Like we, We've been doing bottom-up and that hasn't been as successful. So now we really want to try and have senior nurse leaders understand the power and the benefit of having your nurses be innovative. And so that's there's multiple ways to get at this and um, we're just trying it from both ends. Yeah. I, I don't, not necessarily sure I answered your question, but. It is one of those questions. Like I said, it's a loaded question uh, just because there's, because of the fact that, you know, the, fact that we see creative time in nursing, right? Uh, we don't see it as a productive, uh, right? Because it's not you're, not, you're not taking care of patients, you're not teaching students, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. It's not, it's not observed as, uh, as productive time. And even when nurses go and get, go to conferences or all that stuff that if, even if it's supported, it's non-productive time, which I think we need to change that whole mindset of what's productive and what's not productive. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest issues I have. And you mentioned resources where institutions do create these positions like yourself, and you happen to be in an institution that is very supportive of innovation, but other institutions create roles with the word innovation in them but don't support financially, don't support staff-wise, don't support the extra time, and somehow magically innovation is supposed to happen, right? So I think that's where we we run into issues is everybody likes the word, as you mentioned, I think innovation almost has 
it's overused because now everybody wants to have innovation, but nobody wants to really invest in the innovation. And yeah. that's really what it is. It's time and energy and uh, time for thinking, thank time for processing, time for trial and error, which isn't necessarily yeah. brings yeah, it, value. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you want to be an organization that is leading in innovation, investing in innovation, you have to invest with time, resources, um, human capital, yes, leadership, like all of these things are needed to have a successful innovation program. And right. you're right, I am so fortunate to be in the position I am in at the institution I am in. Penn Nursing has bought in and supported innovation from day one, from the top, our dean is incredible. Our associate dean is incredible. Like I, our board of overseers are incredible, and um, you know we have so much support in order to do the work that we want to do to help educate not only our students and faculty around innovation, but the profession of nursing in this area. And I, I think we're you know successful because of that. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, and, and we unfortunately don't don't see it in enough of that because again, going back to the concept of innovation, especially institution, even educational institutions, where you would expect <clears throat> a lot more of this type of work, but you still see people defaulting back into traditional research, traditional publications, and. And even from a from a grants perspective, the grants are being written in a way, uh, or or in a way that almost innovation is really not even part of the concept. It's very clinical, uh, with very with criteria that is a lot of times is 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 uh, bench science, which doesn't again allow uh, allow you to be put in that innovative cons- components into it. Yeah, I mean. Uh... I don't even know if I want to go down the road of talking about <laughs> research. I, I mean, I stopped doing um, clinical resuscitation science research because I could not deal with the lack of innovativeness in the grant process, especially at the federal level. Like, right. You can't expect to be innovative when it takes nine months to get your score back. And then it takes another however many months to get funded. And like, by that point, like, I've moved on. <laughs> so, you know, it's um it's an interesting place we're at. Like if we want healthcare to be innovative, we really need a more um agile system for funding research. I don't know what that system is, but yeah. I don't it's really difficult to be innovative in a slow process yeah well especially when when so many institutions especially in higher learning look at productivity from a grant perspective right whether it's the nihs or the ninrs or whatever the case may be so much is so much of the evaluation is based on the traditional methodologies that don't lend themselves to innovation um and then the expectation is you still continue to be innovative uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, so 
you know, you mentioned you don't know where that system is. Do you think philanthropy uh, lends itself or these, you know, but every institution can't have, doesn't have the same philanthropy. UPenn is lucky uh, and and has has uh, generous uh, <laughs> funding that comes through, uh, through philanthropy. Other institutions, smaller institutions don't necessarily have that capability. Um, so... Uh, working with 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 uh with for example um the, the the organization that you started with the society of nurses and scientists innovators entrepreneurs and leaders uh component or or the ana's uh, uh innovative innovation committee um like how are those institutions kind of or are they helping uh to even out the playing field a little bit more or providing more opportunities for nurses to kind of get into the innovation work. Oh, totally. I mean, both organizations do so much around different innovation opportunities for nurses to get involved at all levels and all time commitments um, er uh, and in all areas and in varying sort of time commitment ranges. So like, uh, for example, I think the ANA has like a one day innovation pitch. SunCL has a three day hackathon um, or a one day conference, or we're now doing sort of this one month accelerator program and pitch event. There's, there is no lack of ways for nurses to get involved and to learn about innovation and potentially get funding for your innovation ideas. So SunCL, Johnson Johnson, Microsoft, and All In uh, Healthcare are funding this pitchathon where um, health system teams can win up to $150,000 to fund an innovation idea that they're working on. Mm -hmm. um, So I think there's multiple ways to get your innovation ideas funded it's different than what we were talking about for research, right? Like research, innovation research is one thing and that's a little bit different than getting funding for an innovation idea. There's lots of foundations, lots of other organizations who are trying to fund nurses to be able to um, create and implement an innovative idea. So it you know it really depends on what you're trying to do, um, and for example, in terms of funding for research, the Reed and Alex Hillman Foundation do so much to try and fund nurses who are doing research using an innovation lens and mindset. So there are combinations of these things out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, now, as far as like the innovation concept, you mentioned like Johnson Johnson and Microsoft and things like that, uh, or organizations like that, <clears throat> that are primarily like these for-profit organizations. Uh, what's their, uh, if you know, I don't even know if you know, if you, what's, what's their, um, what's their take on nursing innovation? Like where do they see, why are, why are they investing in nursing innovation? And, um. Uh, What's in it for them? I'll just say that. What's in it for them? Yeah, well, so Johnson & Johnson has been dedicated to promoting the profession for, I think it's like a hundred and some years. And yeah. um, they've always been committed to nurses. And 
they're now really committed to helping nurses lead in innovation. Um, I can't speak to what's in it for them other than that. I know for a fact, they really do admire the work nurses do and want to as best they can, at least the people I work with at Johnson & Johnson, I work very closely with them on multiple programs now, really do just want to help nurses solve problems that we're seeing every day. Yeah. Like what I'm saying is like nurses aren't like, you know, like signing, signing away their firstborn uh, by, by, by yeah. participating with these bigger institutions with ha- which have like, you know, uh, they're multi-billion dollar institutions. Uh, yeah. And then I is know it- some people are hesitant just because of those uh, or maybe hesitant just because they don't want to give away their innovative ideas. Totally. And I will say, so I work very closely with Johnson Johnson on the Nurse Hack for Health. It is an open innovation project. We don't, they don't, we don't keep any IP, um, anything that is created during the hackathon is open access, so to speak. It's an open innovation. If teams want to after the hackathon, go and try and work on it some more, create new IP and commercialize it. They totally can. J&J, SunCL, Microsoft, nobody keeps any of that. That is the nurses and other team members' intellectual property to go and run with. And, you know, we're happy to help support in other ways. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, now, as now from a, from a perspective of... Um of somebody who, who dabbles, I'll, I'll say dabbles in innovation and, and, and various components, just because I want to, I always try to push the boundaries of the traditional things that ha- happen um, in nursing, whether it's through art or whether it's through different uh, mediums, like the podcast itself was created out of uh, necessity, right? I had a, I had a need and I created podcasts and I've been lucky enough that it's gone. It's has gone well. Um, so um, for nurses who aren't necessarily in the arena where they think innovation is a thing in nursing, what do we need to do as a profession or what does a nurse need to do as a professional? I'll put the onus on nurses. What does the nurse have to do as a professional to engage in these communities? Um, because we, I don't think like our bedside nurses are are as engaged in the entire profession overall. You know, they, uh, but how do we? What do they need to do if to be more involved or more engaged in this uh, community? Well, I will say there's no lack of places for nurses to get engaged. Yeah, but it's hard to put the onus on nurses. Again, I sort of go back to health systems need to give nurses protected time away from the bedside to do these things. Yeah. I will tell you, I so I run our Penn Nursing Innovation Accelerator program, and it's open to students, faculty, and clinicians. And most of the clinicians I work with um, who make it into the accelerator and, and are trying to engage in innovation it is so difficult. Nurses are working so many hours at the bedside. They are. A lot of them are in master's programs or graduate programs. A lot of them are, you know, they're, they have families at home that they're trying to take care of. Like they're doing a lot of things. And so 
it's hard for me to say we need to put the onus on the individual nurse to engage in these things because they're engaging in so many other things that it's really difficult to ask them to do one more thing, which is why health system leaders and health systems, if they want to invest in nurses leading in this space, need to give them protective time away to do that. But yeah. that being said, there are many, many, many individual nurses who are engaging in these spaces every day. Again, from organizations like SunCL um, and the ANA, there's like no lack of ways for nurses to get involved in these things. There's so many local and national health hackathons and design sprints and design communities. Design is a big part of innovation. And, you know, the work that I do around human-centered design and design thinking, you know, is all about focusing on the methodologies we need to use to create new innovations. And, you know, I am fortunate enough to live in Philadelphia where, you know, every hour of every day, there's some type of like innovation and design event going on. So, you know, if there are nurses out there who are interested in these things, it's just taking the time to sort of research what's in your area. It doesn't have to be, and it doesn't necessarily always should be a nursing mm. innovation event or a healthcare innovation event. Nurses are needed in every space um, where innovation and design is happening. And so I always encourage nurses to go look at what else is going on in your area in these spaces, because they will want a nurse's perspective, no matter what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I agree with you. And I have, I do have the same trouble of putting the onus on nurses. The reason I put the onus on nurses is because they have, there's 4 million of us, right, uh, in the nation. And I think if as a, as a collective, if we, if, if we act on those things and we make it a priority for the profession, uh, because waiting for institutions who are, who are just looking at productive time you know, patient bedside time and what's making money for them. Uh, I don't know if we're going to necessarily, it's going to take those really out of the box leaders uh, that are, that really see the value in that uh, to make that change and invest in it. And I, I just, I, I'm not one of those people that's going to wait for that. Somebody else to do that for me. Right. Yeah, uh, totally so, agree. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, 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 that's where I, I where I kind of, uh, say, okay, nobody's going to do that for me. I'm going to have to do it myself. Uh, so how do, yeah, how do we, I, as a profession, kind of push that forward? Yeah, and I think that part of my role, right, is, as an educator is trying to get nursing schools to start infusing this earlier in the undergrad programs all the way through to graduate and doctoral levels so that our future nurses have already been exposed to innovation and are bringing that mindset and skill set into their practice. And, yeah. you know, that still doesn't answer some of those questions, but at least they're now being exposed to it and know that it is an option of something that they could be doing um, in healthcare. Yeah. But I think that's going to also require faculty that can speak innovation, right? Yes. Uh, and I think we're lacking in that arena as well because you talk to innovation with faculty, as I mentioned, they're going to start talking about EHR simulation, this and that. And it's like, okay, that's 
That's not what we mean when necessarily it's inclusive of that, but that's not all that it is. Uh, so I think we need we need we have a lot of work to do with with our faculty probably first. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I you know I'm sure I am biased in just the world that I personally live in, but <laughs> I think it's slowly changing. I mean, the future of nursing report had a whole yeah. section on innovation and really. Re- recommending that we're educating our nurses in these spaces with, with human-centered design and innovation. There was just a big innovation report that came out last week or the week before um, from the National Academy of Medicine. Like the ANA is championing it. Like, I, I, yeah, these are slow moving things, but I really do feel like at least I'll be in my role as director of innovation. It'll be five years in February. I think, definitely seen a shift right um you know and and we'll see how much that shift moves us forward but i think it's slowly chipping away it's it's slowly getting there and i appreciate that and i'm grateful for people like yourself who are who are in the arena and pushing uh pushing for the change because i think it's necessary and it's needed uh in nursing because i think we were uh you know, a lot of times, a lot of the things that we do are a little bit stagnant, uh, and we need we need that little bit of a push to even attract new, uh, even if it's from a perspective of you know attracting more people that are, will be interested in the profession of nursing. I think we yep. need to push that uh, innovation piece uh, a little bit harder. So yeah, and I think I just want to say two things. I think nurse leaders don't understand the power of that enough that. If nurses are excited about innovation, they're more satisfied, they're more excited to go to work, and they're more committed to staying at the bedside and addressing these problems. Mm-hmm. But also, I also I live in my own, you know, academic institution where all I do is think about innovation and design. I'm not in the health systems dealing with the plethora of issues that nurses and nurse leaders are dealing with every day. So it's easy for me to say they need to give protected time away and they need to do this and they need to do that. I, I can't imagine the complexity of balancing acts that it takes right now to try and keep a health system moving. Yeah. But it's short-sighted to throw out innovation altogether because whether it's a buzzword or not, it is a powerful skill set and methodology and mindset that you definitely want your nurses to have. Yeah, I agree. And I appreciate that because I do, uh, you know, having worked on the service side for a number of years and having worked uh, in academia uh, and having, you know, innovation being a, a key component of some of the things that I try to push forward. Uh, I think it's sometimes it does sound extreme on our end uh, that we're pushing service. And, and, and but uh, the reason for that is we know it's slow moving. It's going to take and we we realize that and we have to be loud about it and be a little bit more forceful about it so it doesn't drop off the plate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so. and I've seen how impactful it is and how it changes the thought process of nurses um in real time and yeah. the impact and power it can have. Well, 
Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, uh, before we sign off, I want to give you any last thoughts. No, I mean, I think thank you for having me on this podcast. And yeah, I'm just grateful and fortunate to get to do what I do and to keep sort of spreading the good word of innovation and design and the profession of nursing. No, I never thought about going into nursing. I never in a million years could have imagined what I'm doing now when I was little, but I am so grateful to be in this position and to get to work with folks like you and all of the amazing colleagues I've made because of my nursing degree. So yeah, I'm just uh, really grateful and thankful for it. And thank you for having me on. Great. Thank you. We have been listening to Dr. Marianne Leary. Uh, she is a director of innovation at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. Uh, thank you again for being on the show. And to all of our listeners, I look forward to bringing you more incredible guests uh, very soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host, Ali Tayeb. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayeb.com. That's www.aliartayeb.com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair winds and following seas.